Well, hello, friends. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, and on this episode of The Improvement Project, I'm sharing a great conversation that I recently had with behavior change specialist, Dr. Heather McKee. She is fantastic. You don't want to miss this one. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada. After 19 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as a year of personal monthly habit challenges, I've learned how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So I'm getting intentional about my habits and routines, and I'm hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Today's episode is episode 172 of the Improvement Project podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome a special guest. Dr. Heather McKee is the UK's leading lifestyle behavior change specialist and founder of drheathermckee.co.uk. Having studied health behavior change psychology for 10 years, her mission is to offer a sustainable, evidence-based alternative to an industry saturated with quick fixes and health fads. She supports businesses in designing and evaluating digital and in-person wellness programs for long-term adherence and positive health outcomes. She runs the Bite Size Habits course for individuals looking to create lasting habit change, and you can find that at bitesizehabits.co. Dr. McKee's research has been published internationally in leading academic journals, as well as featuring in Time Magazine, Vogue, Huffington Post, The Times, and LA Times. All right, Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Peggy. I'm excited to chat. I'm excited to chat with you as well. So first of all, um, obviously I can hear your accent. I'm sure my my listeners can as well. Can you tell us where you are from and uh, where you are now? Okay, yeah. So I am from Dublin in Ireland. Um, And at the moment I am in France in a little town called Saint-Gilles-Croix-de-Vie, enjoying the last little bits of um, autumn before it gets cold and we have to go back into hibernation again so um yeah that's where I'm at the moment but yeah I've been in Ireland well I was in Ireland for many years and I moved to UK for for 12 years to do all my various studies I spent about 10 years in university you could say I was uh the Van Wilder of the UK <laughs> <'cause I didn't laughs> oh, that's awesome. um but then I just recently I've moved back to Ireland which has long been a dream of mine so amazing yeah, working from there now. All right. So you mentioned uh, being in school for a hundred years, which is great. I would yeah. love it if you could share a little bit more about what you do, share about yourself and, uh, and what got you interested in sort of behavior and habits. Yeah. Um, so I started out in sports science, um, which I thought was a joke. I didn't think it was actually a real degree because I was like, how could anything be that fun? You talk about health and well-being and sport. And this was back um back in the day when well-being wasn't really trendy or cool to be engaged with um you know wasn't really a thing back then but I was fascinated um on what made people tick and what habits they have and how people keep well I don't know if you're the same as me Peggy I imagine you are because you always talk about your um you know your online best pals with Gretchen Uh. Rubin and James Clear and stuff but um my favorite section in every magazine or anything I read was what a day in the life was like for people and I was just always wanting to know you know how people live their lives and what habits they had 
Um, and so I kind of fell into this uh, work in this um, metabolic syndrome clinic um, in a hospital and um, basically supporting people that had diabetes, um, morbid obesity, um, you know, side effects of metabolic syndrome, helping them manage their weight. And at the time, I was really well schooled in, you know, diet tips and exercise tips and having done a degree in sports science, um, thought I knew a thing or two and I could help people. Um, and it was so interesting to me because it was like everyone had the ingredients to change. They had everything they needed to actually make change happen in my mind. And yet they couldn't make it stick. And it really frustrated me because we had all the best resources, the best nutritionists, the best personal trainers, and yet people still struggled. And um, I actually ended up sitting down with each person in the clinic and talking to them and, and about, you know, what was getting in their way? What were the barriers? What, um, you know, what, what worked in the past for them? What was kind of holding them back now from success? And that is basically where I got hooked on the psychology of behavior change. And um, so I went on to do a master's in physical activity and health psychology um, and then a PhD in the psychology of weight loss, so how to lose weight without dieting. Um, and so I was fascinated with, you know, how do people set goals? Why do people give in to temptation? And, and what, what are the differences between those people who maintain their habits long term and those that kind of fall off track after a while? Um, and then I, I left. Well, I, I continued to teach in academia. I continued to teach behavior change and um, science. But I went to the dark side then. I started working for, well, I wouldn't necessarily call it the dark side, actually. I started working for various charities, helping support them, support the people that they work with, you know, create lasting habits. Um, and then it was when my studies went into the media in the US um, and people kept asking me, you know, how, how do I create habits that last? How do I lose weight without dieting? You know, that I thought, oh, well, people are actually quite interested in this. And actually, the reason I left academia is because I felt like I wanted to be able to translate things for people in their everyday lives and not just research for researchers sake. Even though I'm obsessed with research, I'm a massive geek and I absolutely love it. I felt like you know, we were working for a very specific audience where I actually wanted to work directly with people at that kind of grassroots to be able to help people. And I felt like from my research, I was, you know, privileged enough to, you know, spend 10 years really understanding, you know, why some people are able to change their habits and why some aren't. And I felt like this was necessary to kind of share with the world outside of academia and help support them to create those lasting habits. Amazing. When you're talking, I just feel excited because everything you're saying, I'm excited about for sure. And I know that my listeners are as well. And one of the things that um, I know for sure is that my listeners are very interested in self-improvement. They have the keen uh, sense of wanting to be better. And they've heard me talk sort of at nauseum about habits and getting better. Mm. But I feel like redundancy in learning concepts is very important. And so what I would love, because you are definitely the expert. Do you have some specific tips or strategies that you could pass on to my listeners about how to make a new habit and then how to lock it in for sort of long-term success? Yeah, great question. Um, how long have we got? <laughs> I could talk about this all day. Um, I think like, do you know what, Peggy, I think you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice because I've listened to your podcast for a while now and Everything you say, I'm like, this woman knows what she is talking about. I absolutely love it. And so a lot of what you say um, chimes at me. But um, the key things I like to focus on, um, so I've kind of got this habits blueprint that I like to focus on, which is kind of five key 
um, areas. Um, and, and they're all based actually around four key pillars, which are um, the mindset habit, the kindness habit, um, the mindful habit and the maintenance habit, which are kind of four key areas that we need to work on in terms of actually developing long-term habit change. So we need to look at our mindset. We need to look at, you know, how we we think, how we frame goals, how we set goals, how we approach our goals, how we visualize our success. We need to look at kindness. We need to look at self-compassion, you know, the importance of actually um, cultivating that positive voice, the importance of focusing on our strengths, the importance of learning from our failures. Um, we need to look at mind, the mindful habits of staying present in the moment, actually attending to those um, negative thoughts and understanding them and being aware of them a little bit more and cultivating mindful habits or, or mindfulness around our habits and awareness. And then the last piece is really about maintenance. So, you know, being able to actually understand what does it take to create that long term change in our lives. And, and, and based on that, when it comes to habit change, I kind of work off, um, I guess, at this five-step blueprint, which is the first step is, you know, find your why. And I know you talk about this a lot. You know, it's so important. Like so many of us, you know, are so focused on the outcome, you know, the number on the scales and the number on our paychecks or the next promotion or, you know, the, the letters beside our name or whatever it happens to be. But actually that as you so rightly put, Peggy, often, you know, it's, it's, it's extrinsic. It doesn't tap into our intrinsic motivation and our intrinsic motivation. And it's got a beautiful translation in Latin. It's known as inward or good for the soul. Um, and that's exactly what we need to find when we start out in a habit change journey. We, you know, it's not helpful to focus on the numbers, the steps um, counted or the numbers in our bank account or the numbers on a scale. It's more helpful to know that, you know, by engaging in this habit, it gives me the energy that I can give back to my community or my children or allows me to feel at my best so I can contribute most to my work or whatever that matters most to you in life. So when our kind of values and our habits align, that's when we see real success. Because when you're in the trenches and things aren't working out so well, it's important to remember, you know, I'm doing this because it's part of who I am. It's part of who I wish to be. It's part of how I want to show up in the world rather than I'm doing this to get a 10,000 steps on my fitness tracker or whatever else it is. So I always say to people, the first step on any habit change journey is to find your why. And, and that can take, you know, four or five whys to get you a true why. So for example, you know, if, you're, if your habit that you wish to establish is, um, you know, to get fitter through walking at lunchtime, you know, why is that important to you? Um, okay, well, you want to have more energy. Why is that more important to you? Because you want to be able to get through the afternoon um, at work um, with focus and being able to contribute. Why is that important to you? Because actually making a positive contribution is part of who you are. Um, you know, and it's inherent in one of the values that you hold. Why is that important to you? Because you want to show up. You want to be someone who adds value in their life. You want to leave a legacy. You want to contribute to your business or your work or your children or whatever else. So when you ask yourself enough why tend to get to your true why and I think that's a really important part of starting out on, on the habit journey and um, I can go into more detail but I don't know if you want to stop me there or like keep rolling well why don't you um like that was number one you said there's five why don't yeah. you give me the rest of the five with a little bit of um of uh explanation of each one okay well the second one is to focus on skill power not willpower um, so, you know, we so often think that um, we can rely on willpower when it comes to making our habits stick. So, for example, New Year rolls around and we're like, right, I'm going to quit sugar. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to be nice to my other half. I'm going to save loads of money. I'm going to be super tidy, you know, and actually 
that is a it's concept called goal dilution. The more we add in, the more we take away from our focal goal and the more likely it is or the less likely it is that we'll actually achieve our goal because we're spreading ourselves too thinly. And it's very, very hard to actually achieve success on multiple goals at once. And so actually, you know, those that are most successful are those that have the the most simple goals and actually the smallest goals. And I know you're a big fan of um, James Clear's work, you know, he talks about atomic habits. And um, another one is uh, BJ Fogg as well. He talks about tiny habits. And I really love what he says around, you know, that they have to be small. I call them bite-sized habits because they have to be, you know, small chunks that you can actually um, achieve. And then the reason being that they need to be small is one, because we know that actually those smallest habits are the ones that are, you know, easier to repeat and therefore we gain momentum and therefore they're more likely to become habits over time. And what I mean by habits is habits are non-conscious processes. So um, there are things that don't actually take thought. So, you know, I, I'm sure Peggy, you know, you woke up this morning and you didn't lie in bed, kind of weighing up the pros and cons of dental hygiene and whether you were motivated enough to brush your teeth, you did it because it's a habit that you have and you've had it for a long time. And that's exactly where we want to get to with our health habits, but we need to make them small and easy enough to be repeatable. So it's very important that we start off with these bite-sized steps and not rely on our unreliable willpower because ultimately willpower becomes depleted over time and actually we're much better off looking at skills so looking at making small steps looking at engineering our environment to make the healthier choice the easier choice and then various other different ways in which we can actually support ourselves to um, create those kind of lasting habits but I would say definitely start small take those small steps um another point then in, in the habit blueprint is knowing when and where you're going to perform your habits um, and this is really important because, you know, when we set goals, often we say, you know, I want to exercise more, I want to have more focus at work, or I want to, you know, get X amount, even if we set a more specific goal, I want to get X project done. Um, you know, I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of back when I was a lecturer and my students and had when they had an assignment, I used to ask them, when, where are you going to do your assignment? And they'd be like, oh, don't ask me that question, because they knew that they would have to get super specific specific and they'd have to think about all the barriers that were going to get in the way and it takes our habits kind of out of the esoteric and puts them into our real everyday lives and so if you ask yourself for any habit that you're wishing to form when and where I'm going to perform it this week you know you start to think about okay well is meditating first thing in the morning going to be best for me when I've got the kids running around and I'm trying to get everyone ready for work um you know maybe at another time might be better for me um and then we can start to look at things like piggybacking our habits. So can we can we actually tie them onto existing habits that we have? So maybe it's about, you know, if we're thinking about the smallest step possible, it's about every time I boil the kettle, I take three mindful breaths. Um, and that's something, you know, that's an established habit that we have. It's something that we do day to day. And we're working it into something that's already there, making it easier for ourselves to follow through because the cue is already in there that routine is there and we're just switching the behavior for something else that we might have done in that time like scrolling on our phone or wherever else it happens to be so I always say to people you know establish when and where is going to be best for you and experiment with it and that, that's something that people don't often do enough when it comes to habit changes experiment you know they think that they have to get everything perfect or why bother at all but actually you know what we've learned from our studies on long-term maintainers is actually it's those people that saw failure as part of success um, that were most successful long term. 
And so they actually looked to learn and grow from those failures. And they never saw it as a personal failure. They saw it as a system failure. And um, James Clear had a lovely quote, which is like, you know, change your system and system. Um, you know, it's not you that failed. It's your system that failed. And if you can change your system, then change can happen for you. And I really, I really believe in that. And I suppose that's why I believe in this blueprint for habit change, because it's all about, you know, creating systems. Um, and the final, yeah, he says, is, he says, uh, um, okay. we never rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And so systems, focusing on the yes. systems is like the place. And I love that. So I love the when and where and how you've made it specifically like that. Cause I've never in, in all of my habit work, I've never specifically thought to myself, okay, when and where I've done it. Like I've, I've, I've circled that concept, but I love that mm. you, that you've made that concrete for me. So thank you. Oh my God. So welcome. It's, it's, it's quite yeah, it's so important because like, you know, instead of your goal this week being like exercising more, it becomes if it's Monday at 8 a.m., I do an online Peloton class. And then you have to start thinking about, well, how do I set myself up for doing that? Do I know what class I want to do? Do I have it written in my diary? Do I have my stuff prepared? You know, it starts to make it real world. And I think the thing is that people kind of set habits based so often on based on what they think others are doing rather than actually what works for them in the kind of complexity of their lives and so the when and where question really can help you get quite granular about that and actually understand well well how is this going to show up in my life and again you know the 8 a.m peloton class might not work for you you actually find you're exhausted on a monday it's the last thing you want to do maybe it's 5 p.m on friday to bookend your week you know and then and that's the whole thing with habit changes it has to be an experiment um the last bit, and um, which is really quite important, is to follow your joy when it comes to creating habit change. And this is such something that Gretchen Rubin talks a, a little bit about as well in her book, The Happiness Project. Um, and the thing is, what we know from the research is one, two goals are much more easily followed than have two goals. And then I know that you've, you've talked about not shutting on yourself, um, you know, before. And I think that this is really important in habit change. You know, when it comes to actually changing our habits, we often think we need to do the hardest and most difficult thing. That's the best way to start out. You know, we go to the gym and we look for the most, like the assault bike or something horrific. But actually, you know, it's so interesting because what the research shows is exactly the opposite. The habits that we enjoy are the habits that we stick to. And yet we all feel like we have to beat ourselves with a big stick in order to kind of, you know, engage with any habit. Um, and what, and we've what been scripted for, to think that we have to do yeah. all the things. I often will say to my clients, well, why don't you just like walk for five minutes every day between now and next week? And they, they look at me like I'm cuckoo because they're like, well, what's that going to do? And I'm like, it's going to have you being moving your body consistently every single day for a yeah. whole week. And then it, it's most humans will look back at me like, well, that's not what you're supposed to do. But it's so interesting that, yeah, actually that might be more, lead to more success for you rather than getting on the assault bike and doing it once in a month. I love that, Peggy. Like, yeah, who made that real book? Who told us that everything has to be hard? You know, it's just so, uh, you know, so ridiculous. Like it's the same with business. You know, you almost feel like, you know, conversations like this feel too fun to be work. Um, but like, why couldn't they, you know? And, exactly. And, and, <laughs> it's the same for habits as well and and so like what I, I say to people and one thing that can be really helpful is before you start out in any habit change um is to think about what you enjoy in particular if people are changing their health habits you know what are those healthy habits that you actually enjoy because everyone focuses on the things that they find really hard rather than the things that they enjoy 
So maybe, you know, taking a five minute walk gives them energy, allows them to kind of go out and stand in their garden or walk in nature or walk with their dog. Or, you know, maybe it's that like, you know, eating fresh fruit makes you feel vibrant and energized or having kind of a hot water and lemon in the morning helps you kind of, you know, jump out of bed or whatever it happens to be. You know, if we can focus on the joy um, and actually savor the joy that we get from engaging on habits, it trains our brain to actually look for that joy more often. And it makes us look for those dopamine response that we get from that joy. And it, may, it essentially fast tracks our habit success. And so I always say, you know, before you start out on any kind of healthy habit routine, think about, you know, what are those habits that bring you joy around your health? Or how can you layer joy onto, you know, any healthy habits that you wish to um, create? You know, can you listen to comedy when you're um, out for your walk? Or can you, um, you know, do when you're doing your taxes, can you listen to your favorite music at the same time? Or what are the ways that you can kind of layer joy onto the habits that you're trying to create? And because it's much more likely that those are going to be the habits that you stick to long term. Okay, so um, let's go back and review because I might have missed one. So number one is find your why. Number mm. two is skill power versus willpower. I love that. Yeah. Number three, when and where you'll perform the habit. So I, that's my bad. So skill power, not willpower. And then take small steps is number three. Okay, got it. And then when and where is number four. When and where is number four and finding joy. Got it. Okay. It's number five. Let me move into this. The guests that I've had on the show are always up to something amazing and you definitely Mm -hmm. are fitting into that category. And I'm always intrigued to know what are these amazing humans doing in their lives for their own personal growth? So I would love it if you would share with my listeners, what habit or routine are you currently working on to improve your life? And in that vein, with this habit, where has it been challenging for you? And what advice would you give someone who might be working on this themselves? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so many different things. One thing actually I'm working on, and I'm not necessarily doing that great on, which I think is quite important to share. Even someone who studies habits and everything else, you know, can fall prey. It shows that we're all human, and I think we all have to practice forgiveness. Um, is I'm recovering from a hip operation that I had last year, and I happened to uh, injure myself again. Um, oh, no. In, in the recovery and and it's all because of pace it's because you know I wanted to um you know be the best possibly recover and do all of the things and even myself you know with all of the knowledge in the world about habit change you know rushed myself into my recovery um and so I've had to kind of take a step back and you know look at my habits and and then be really really clear about okay well how can I pace myself each week how can I set micro goals how can I you know set myself these bite-sized challenges just like you say you know it's not about walking 15 minutes it's about walking five it's about um you know um it's about doing what you can and focusing on when you can't what you can do and it's interesting because I've always been mad into fitness and exercise and it's, it's kind of defined who I was in my life and so now I've had to kind of re um reframe my identity which I think is quite important at these times and instead of punishing myself for not being a fit person anymore what I've looked at starting to expand on is my mental fitness 
um, and building my my mental skills. And, and then one of those key skills I've been really kind of nerding out on is is self-compassion. Um, and I've been doing a lot of reading of Tara Brach work um, in self-compassion. And she's some wonderful um, resources. Her latest book is Trusting the Gold. And it's all about, you know, that we all have gold inside of us. We're all, you know, um, wonderful inside, but we never trust that we we truly are. And we need to develop that self-compassion and that self-kindness and that self-love to trust in ourselves. And so I've been doing a lot of work um, around um, various different pieces of self-compassion, hers. And then Chris Neff, I would recommend as well. She wrote a book called Fierce Self-Compassion. Um, and it's all about um, empowering women with that. Um, self-compassion tools that help them actually you know own their own space and encourage themselves to um you know go further in life so those are two things I've been really engaging with I love number one that you are stating that you don't just all have it all perfect because you're the habits expert and I think that this is so important because I say this on the regular on the podcast it sort of seems that the thing that you need the most is the thing that you are attracted to so I'm scratching my own itch of I'm trying to figure out why I do certain things and why I don't do certain things. And I'm along the way sharing with uh, the listeners, my story. And so it's so neat to hear that there's other humans out there who are interested in the subject matter, who are also figuring it out for themselves. I also really love that. um, And and you mentioned this at the beginning when you were talking about the habits blueprint a little bit uh, with the various like mind based or inner work based habits. It sort of seems like the identity of who we are and how we think and our self concept is really the first principle to create all of the other habits. And it's neat that that sort of you've come full circle back to really engaging in self-compassion for yourself as you go through this process of healing from this, this injury and this surgery. So awesome. I love it so much, Heather. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Um, and I, I do think that's in, like what you, like what you say is so important because I do think, you know, we see people on social media or we idolize certain people and think that they've all got it together. And, you know, um, we're all just trying to do the best that we can and we're all just trying to figure out things. And, and for me, um, what helps me is going back to the literature and understanding, you know, what works in, in this field and re-engaging with that. Um, but I, I suppose what I always say to people is, you know, you're, you're trying your best, you know, so just, just keep on trying your best and you know um we, we professionals like us can then help give people the tools that they need to support them in you know getting the most out of that amazing all right now I want to move on to another segment and I know that I'm springing this on you a little bit but in as my listeners are aware in many episodes in the past my podcast partner Jenny and I have talked with each other about what podcasts we've been listening to or what books we're into or what random internet hilarity we found and we feel mm-hmm. like the listeners might find it fun so every week we share something that we are loving that we find useful or practical or something that's just as I said, pure frivolity. So Heather, of course, is a good sport. And uh, even though I've just sprung this on her, she has agreed to play along. So I'm going to go first and show her how it works uh, and to give her a little bit extra time to think about it. So this is what are you into lately? So this week, as I said, I'm into something totally frivolous and unrelated to habits and self-improvement, but it brings me joy, especially as I'm looking forward to the upcoming snowboard season. Heather, I love to snowboard. So um, what this is... It's an Instagram. You have been to Whistler. I have not been to Whistler. Oh, it's fine. Good for you. I'm that's on my list just to get to Whistler. Um, 
All right. So the thing I'm into is an Instagram account and it's called, I've been following it for a while. It's called Great Grams of Gary. So what this thing is, it's a cat named Gary who goes on adventures with his owner in the Canadian Rockies. <laughs> And his owner puts him on a leash and takes him everywhere. They go on hikes through the mountains. They go kayaking. And my favorite, the owner puts Gary on his shoulder and he wears these little mini uh, kitty cat goggles. And then they go downhill skiing. So the cat, who's named Gary, he wears these little ski goggles and they're amazing. And it's just pure joy. So John, my husband laughs at me on the regular because I love Gary so much. I'll be scrolling. And every time I see Gary, I'm like, John, look what Gary's up to this week. <laughs> so who wouldn't love a cat wearing goggles, going skiing and kayaking? So if you need a smile, I highly recommend checking it out. It's great grams of Gary. And I'll put a link in the show notes if anybody's interested in checking out my friend Gary. I love that. You know, my neighbors have a, have a cat that they, uh, it's a house cat and they bring out on a lead and it's got a little rain mask, like a little yellow. I'm actually quite jealous. It's got great style. And it's always got these different jackets on. And we're always like, what jacket is Pixie going to be wearing today? You know, trying to see like outfit of the day. What's Pixie oh wearing? Oh my gosh. So I'll I have to a, check that out. Yeah. John and I have a cat. His name is Amigo. And he goes out on a, on a leash as well. But I don't have coats for him. I don't know if he would tolerate it. But I love this idea. So cute. All right. Heather, what are you into lately? Oh God, what am I into lately? Um, great question. Cause I'm, it's, I suppose cause I'm traveling right now. It's like I'm out of my normal day to day routine, which is really interesting. And actually it's something that's interesting from again, nerding out habit point of view. It's like, how do you manage a routine when you're traveling? Um, and, and my thing is always, you know, go back to Monday to Friday um, and, and, you know, keep that as, as regular as you can if, if you're working, if you're not um, obviously on holidays. And then on the weekend, you know, make the best of it kind of thing. And I suppose one thing I've been doing research on in my spare time is restaurants because I'm in France moment so um I've been nerding out on actually watching season over here and which I think you know something I so admire about the French way of life is that when you go to the markets you know they they only have what's in season at the time um you know and and when you go to the restaurants they have like you know like um, for example where I am it's famous for sardines and they're you know only in season from April to September and so that's that's the time you're getting sardines. You're not getting sardines outside of this time. And you know, for them it's almost bizarre to think of, you know, people eating things that aren't, you know, out of season where it's just so natural to them because they're so kind of in tune with the land and in tune with with what they do. So I'm kind of, you know, it's something I want to bring back when I come back to Ireland. It's really understanding, you know, what's in season at the time and being able to kind of be a little bit more aware of that and in tune with that. And and what's interesting from a research point of view is that from nutrition, you know, we tend to get more nutrients from those seasonal foods. Um, they tend to bring more nutrients. And it's also much better from an environmental point of view as well for getting what's local and seasonal. But yet it's not something that is regularly practiced, certainly where I'm from. I'm not sure about what it's like in Ontario, but um, here in France, it's just the norm. You know, it's what everyone does. People only buy what's in season. They only make things at certain times of the year. And they're very, very true to their seasons, which I think is just something that is so intriguing. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's also neat that you mentioned the research about that. It would be interesting to know if sort of like our 
ancestral DNA knows Mm. that in seasonal times, this is what your body will be best suited to based on, you know, what our bazillion years ago ancestors ate at certain times. So that's really cool. Yeah. I also love that there's, um, you know, economic and environmental impacts associated with it too. So it's a good reminder, Heather, that maybe all of us should be eating more in season. So I like that. And by the way, in Canada, we're coming into fall and this is when I start to crave soups and all of that, like sort of warm comfort food. So maybe Mm. that's my DNA telling me to get more nutrition from those seasonal vegetables. Pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's seasonal too, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right. Now, I know that you have created a really cool habits challenge, your bite-sized habits challenge, and I know my listeners will be excited about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about it and how they could sign up if they would like to? Yeah, great. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this, actually. Um, so it is called the bite Size Habit Challenge. Um, you can get it on bitesizehabits.co, that's C-O, and um, couldn't get the calm, so had to go with the co. Right. Um, and it's basically a five-day challenge. And it gives you kind of the tools you need to kind of create the habits that stick. So it's kind of over the course of five days, you receive a series of videos. I'll teach you a theory of kind of kickstarting your healthy habits. And you'll get these daily emails that will hold you accountable and support you in turning those healthy lifestyle intentions basically into action. Um, and each day I ask people, you know, what's w- one simple question that takes no longer than 60 seconds to answer, but will help them reflect on their own personal habits. And it's all based around the blueprint that we talked about today, because these are the key foundational pillars of behavior change. And it's all completely free. Um, and all you have to do is pop your name in the join the challenge um, box and you'll start getting the emails right away. Um, and it's just some nice little insights and videos that will help people kind of kickstart any habit change that they're looking to create this fall. Uh, amazing. I am, after we get off this uh, recording, I'm going to sign up myself. So I hope that, uh, that my listeners will take you up on that as well. And so you mentioned bitesizehabits.co.co. Yeah. And um, is there any other place online or on the socials that my listeners could reach out and find you and say hello if they would like? Um, yeah, so you, I've got um, my own personal website that is Dr. Heather McKee dot co dot uk um, and yeah you can either find me at bitesizehabits.co i've got my email address there if anyone has any if i can just tell you what it is it's info at drheathermckee.co.uk um, and i'm happy to get any habit related questions that people have i'm always really intrigued to see what you know what barriers people are dealing with um, but if you go to um, bitesize or Dr. Heather McKee or Bitesize Habit as well, you can join the newsletter and each week I send kind of the latest evidence-based um, tips and, and resources that will help support people create those lasting habits. So all habit-related stuff, all at those two um, websites. So actually, and if you sign up for the challenge, I think you get automatically put on the newsletter list. So you don't even have to do that. So you can just go to bitesizehabits.co actually. Perfect. Simple response. I could have started with that. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right, Heather, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your voice and your wisdom with the Improvement Project community. Um, Is there any final thought that you'd like to share with us as we all continue along the path to be a better version of ourselves? I think, and I I was thinking about something just now, actually, before I got on, I, I wrote it down, but it was kind of, you know, I was thinking like, if you keep telling yourself the reason you haven't achieved your health goals is because you've not found the secret sauce yet. 
I think it's time to realize that you are the secret sauce. You know, you're the only one that's going to be able to change your life. And like, you know, you've tried all these other things and maybe they didn't work. And, you know, you've punished yourself over every wrong decision you've ever made. And you feel the pressure to constantly transform yourself, you know, every year. And I think it's it's important for people to understand that, like, it's just about taking the time to build the skills that they need over time and things like what you provide and um, Peggy with the improvement project I just think is such a beautiful resource and so supportive and helpful for people to build those skills work on their strengths and create that secret sauce within them and um, you know using those tools that you've already kind of supported and supplied and all the insights that you you gain from all the wonderful experts that you have on the podcast and all of your online best friends and so <laughs> yeah I, I think it's time that people stop punishing punishing themselves and and knowing that this is really cheesy but I I always think like of my my business and and what I provide kind of like you know like the Wizard of Oz where Dorothy has you know the ruby slippers and yeah you've got to go on a bit of a journey you know that yellow brick road and, and meet different people along the way and they support you with different skills and give you different strengths but ultimately you know you have to grow that own power to come home to yourself and I think that's what behavior change is all about it's about growing that power within you to, to be able to come home to yourself and your habits amazing you are your own secret sauce Heather I love it yeah <laughs> thank you so much for being here again Oh, it's lovely to speak to you, Peggy. Thank you for taking me on. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Heather McKee. It's always so fun to talk with like-minded, amazing women on a topic that is near and dear to my heart. For questions or comments, send an email to The Improvement Project at drpeggymalone.com. You can come and say hi on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone. You can always get my attention by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that new listeners find this podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join our community. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Hey, before you go, I just want to share this again, because it may be just what you're looking for to help you get on track with your habits and routines. Most people know that they should do something different to lock in good habits and routines to take care of themselves. They know that they should get consistent with their healthy habits and self-care. They know they should eat better, drink more water, move their bodies more and manage their stress better. They know they would feel better if they created a calm home and working environment, surrounded themselves with people who support their big dreams and goals, and tuned in to being grateful for it all every day. Despite knowing this, they often just don't do anything about it. They just keep doing what they have been doing. How about you? Are you ready to get some help and get your good, healthy habits on track by finally doing something about it? I can help. As a habits accountability coach, I work with clients one-on-one in a coaching program to help them get consistent with their health and self-care habits. This one-on-one coaching program helps people like you in making better choices for your habits and routines, as well as keeping you accountable to those new choices. I will work with you over 12 weeks to decrease procrastination and decision fatigue and to increase consistency, self-awareness, and productivity. We will work together on your habits challenges and help you to take control of your health and happiness. It's time to say yes to your needs more often and say no to everything that doesn't serve you. 
If you would like to work with me in this 12-week one-on-one life-changing habits accountability coaching, or if you would like more information, send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email to drpeggy at drpeggymalone.com. And I'll send you all the details and help you get on track to be your happiest and healthiest overall best version of you. Let's get after it.